Hi everyone, I'm Ben Martian, Head of Policy at the Financial Planning Association and welcome to today's FPA podcast. Today we're going to be talking around AIA Australasia's 5590 report, which is a report that talks about mental health and physical health issues that affect your clients. And one of the things as financial planners we are really good at is talking about the financial well-being of our clients. But through that deep understanding of clients that we get, we might pick up that there might be some mental health issues with our clients. We might pick up that there might be some physical health issues for our clients. And we need to be thinking about how we can help our clients more holistically get the right help at the right time to help their whole not only their financial position, but their health position as well. So in today's podcast, we're going to be talking about what are the similarities between the issues we deal with as financial planners and as doctors. We're going to be talking about some of the conversations you can have with your clients. We're going to be talking about some of the advice and and assistance you can give to clients if you see them struggling mentally um, and who you might be able to reach out to and some great resources So in today's podcast, we're talking about health, we're talking about finances, we're talking about well-being, we're talking about awareness. Today's podcast is proudly brought to us by AIA Australasia's 5590 report. And I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Priya Alexander and Elise Sanders from AIA. Welcome to the podcast. I'll start off with you, Elise. Firstly, uh, can you um, just introduce yourself to our members? Um, Elise Sanders, I'm the Head of Enablement, Marketing and Communications at AIA for Retail. Um, I'd probably dub myself an insurance nerd um, and an advice nerd. I'm totally passionate about advice and totally passionate about risk mitigation through insurance. Thanks, Elise. And, and Priya? So or should I we think- call you Alexander, sorry. Oh, no, Priya's absolutely fine. So I am a doctor. I'm a GP. I work in Melbourne. I would say if Elise is an insurance nerd, I am a medical nerd. I'm passionate about preventative health, uh, kind of breaking down complex medical medical information for people so they can digest it and make informed health choices. Um, But that's my background. Very good. Thanks for joining us. Um, Now, Elise, AIA has done research in the past about leading causes of death. And I think the last report showed that 90% of deaths of Australians were attributed to four main risks to health. Those were physical inactivity, unhealthy diets, smoking in excess alcohol, and there were four non-communicable diseases uh, being respiratory disease, diabetes, cancer, and cardiovascular disease. From the most recent research you did in 2021, can you give us a brief overview from that report what's kind of changed over the years yeah ben i mean we originally sort of did the 4490 report just because we wanted to start to look at you know whether or not that changed our ecosystems in rehabilitation and wellness and health and well-being um and through that report we to your point we could see that there were four inactivities or you know bad diet inactivity, smoking and, and alcohol drinking were attributing to 90% of deaths through non-communicable diseases. So diseases that we could um, change just by or just through modifying just behavior. And it was this that then changed our our focus around you know the time of claim to preventative and predictive sort of healthcare programs in in AA, which would that also could significantly change the Australian population's health and well-being. So 
it was that study that sort of led to this change in what we were thinking about and what we were focusing on for clients and partners. Um, and then what we did was we went back and we re reviewed that report, looked at it, and what we found was that we actually needed to start to look at when we looked at the global data around disease, we actually were finding that mental health was also a contributing factor. Um, and it was, it was a factor that, you know, we could address and change and modify. But then also we, we saw that um, our interaction with the environment was leading to those communicable diseases, you know, um, you know, we'll talk about the stats when we get into further discussion, but, you know, we could see that just, you know, air pollution was attributing to a high percentage of, of cardiovascular issues, stroke and, and the likes. And, and, you know, as we've seen over the last couple of years, mental health is on the climb and um, depression, anxiety in the Australian population, it has been exacerbated through uh, through the last couple of years with COVID. But but what we what we've found is all of these things are are things that we can actually help predict, we can prevent, and we can intervene before it gets to an exacerbated level. Um, and our clients and our partners have to then manage claims. So that's why we sort of built this report. Um, and what we've done is, you know, we're constantly evolving this report over time. So uh, it's definitely not the last report, the 5590 report, um, but it's definitely the most current. Thank you, Elise. Yeah, I, I mean, I've certainly noticed even from my, well, definitely from my interactions with members that uh, mental health in particular has become a, a much bigger factor over the last last couple of years. Um, we've had obviously the double whammy of COVID and and everything that's gone on with the education standards around financial advice, in particular, um, Priya, you as a as a GP, and and I understand you've you've got a, a blog called the Wholesome Doctor. What's the kind of shift that you've seen over the years of of people considering their their health? Um, you discussing your blog, in particular, healthcare from a holistic point of view. Can you kind of explain to us what? people what what our members should be thinking about what they should be discussing with their clients in terms of holistic health care what it looks like um, and how they should be considering the shift in in health care so I do think that people are definitely more proactive in the health space I think people want to actually know more they want more information they want to make informed health choices and we've seen that through the pandemic in particular where people have gone searching for answers often to unqualified sources, sadly, which has led to some confusion sometimes. But people are hungry. They want to make good choices and they want to know how they can improve their health. I think there is also what I've seen through time and why I started this kind of blog and the Instagram a little while ago is that um, people are acknowledging that, you know, mental health, physical health, the environment, they all interact and they can all have a significant impact on the individual and also the community. And so I think people are talking more about the fact that, you know, mental health is just as important as physical health, sometimes more important. I think people are now talking about, okay, we're talking about climate change. What impact does that have on health? What can I do as an individual, as a community to improve my health outcomes and for the planet too, but so that we're all a little bit better. So what I have seen is that people are definitely more proactive. And I think people want to make informed choices. Give me the building blocks so I can change my health outcomes. Absolutely. And I think there's 
I mean, I, I kind of see it. There's a there's a consideration of mental health, I think, at, at the extreme level where we see, you know, catastrophic outcomes for people. But mental health's probably got a, a broad spectrum of outcomes on people's people's health. What are you kind of seeing from a longevity and quality of life perspective, even from, I guess, low-level mental health um, concerns to uh, across that spectrum? So I see literally everything in my consulting room. So I see, as you say, it is a complete spectrum. Um, I have to say that we know now as medical professionals, but also I think in the community, thanks to more discussion, breaking stigma down, we know that mental health, physical health, there's a very strong interplay. So we know that uncontrolled stress increases the risk of generalised anxiety disorder. We know that anxiety can um, be a contributing factor in hypertension. We know that depression, ischemic heart disease can often coexist. So we know that that physical, mental interplay is really important. But what I see is that people, you know, you've already alluded to this, but there is a mental health crisis at the moment. The, the rates are climbing in general practice. It is um, a huge part of our job at the moment. But I'm seeing everything from people struggling with sleep, stress at work, productivity goes down. You then get people who struggle with depression, lower motivation, again, lower productivity at work. These things impact family life. They impact work life. They've got far-reaching consequences. And even if it's mild, it can still have significant impacts on people's day-to-day -day life. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, what, what kind of impacts are you seeing on not only their lives but but how this mental health um epidemic i guess it is at the moment is affecting the lives of family and friends and and work colleagues more broadly i think that people are talking about it more but i tend to see at the moment that there are caregivers or people within a home where someone is potentially struggling with anxiety or depression and I have patients who come in and they are not personally affected with anxiety, depression, bipolar mood disorder, whatever the diagnosis is, but they are also living this with the person in their home. And so they also experience, you know, if someone in the home loses their job due to severe anxiety or depression, that has consequences for a family. And it's often the other people in the family who are picking up the pieces. Kids often feel it. I have in my consulting room a lot of kids who felt pressure through the pandemic with, with adults perhaps going through mental health issues. So I think we tend to forget, like, you know, as a GP in particular, I can tend to focus on the patient, but really the tentacles of mental health issues go very far. And there's things like the Black Dog Institute in Australia, which actually give practical tools and tips to the people who are living with people who are affected by mental health issues, which tells you actually there's a lot of support that needs to be given to the people around as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and we might come back to that resource in a minute, actually. But at least, obviously, financial planners are dealing with their clients over long periods of time. Often, they're they're helping them understand their financial position. But through those conversations, they get into really deep conversations that can often often get a real understanding of the person and what's going on with their lives. What role did, did the report show that financial planners play in mitigating the, some of these risks um, and particularly considering how mental health, physical health, environmental health is, is impacting a, a family unit as a, as a whole? Mm, I think um, it with the report, what it does is it just highlights that those conversations um, are broader than the actual client that's sitting in front of them. 
to Priya's point, you know, the ripple effect uh, has an impact uh, to a family member, a child, a parent, uh, a brother, a sister, and and so what it what it really highlighted for us is just that when we're thinking about the preventative measures, when we're thinking about predictive measures, um, the the advisor plays a crucial role in being being able to identify that because they see the life. To your point, Ben. They see the life cycle of, of the, that client. They see them from the moment the fact find is put in right through to the moment that that client says to them, I'm transitioning through to retirement. And their goal as a, as a financial planner or an advisor is to, one, mitigate risk uh, and to identify risk. Um, and then also their, their jobs is to try to get that client to get to the best financial outcomes at the, at the time of retirement. And so what it is, is about understanding this information, being able to help identify uh, client, for clients what I call blind spots in their, in their life, right? So you've got, you've got this blind spot where a client comes in, they, they're probably thinking about, well, I just want to draw down debt. I just want to make sure that I can pay off debt. Uh, I want to be able to save for, have some savings. I want to have some superannuation in, in my superannuation account when I retire. But it's about looking at, okay, what are other people or other um, influences that could reduce my client's ability to do that? And what is my, um, my job is to look at those blind spots on behalf of my client, make sure that there's no one jeopardising those that client to get to the healthier, to the healthiest outcome that they can financially, but also uh, physically and mentally. And so it's really important that the advisor overlays that understanding, um, but is able to field underwrite that to some degree, uh, and then start to think about the product selections that they're choosing when when they're when they're addressing that particular client and that that client's lifestyle. So you know it's. And this is where advisors' uh, knowledge comes into play. It's that intimacy around product knowledge. So being able to make the know the difference in the features and the benefits of a product, what support mechanisms are already pre-built in, what tools are available to them through through those product providers, as 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 well as things that they have built and established within their own business. So. For me, when we look at this report, it's it's that it's understanding that data, but then being able to apply that data and that knowledge uh, into their field underwriting and 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 their risk assessment of the client. Well, we might come back to that point in a second about how we can how we can help our clients, but but Priya, in terms of um, the impact, not only the impact of, from health perspective, but Obviously, being unhealthy, needing medical treatment has a cost impact um, in terms of treatment, but also time off work. What, what's your experience from your clients that you're seeing as an outcome of, of these health issues that are identified in the report? So you're, you're right. I And it's only until you raise it like that that I actually link it back after hearing Elise speak and go, oh, actually these financial stressors then cause, you know, more ripple effects, as you said before, Elise. But I do see patients who have um, significant chronic medical conditions where they start 
thinking about accessing their superannuation to receive medical treatment um, and have to go through, you know, a lot of forms that I'm involved in the process with them. But I see the amount of stress that people go through going, I need this medical treatment. I'm not going to get it through the public system. I don't have private health insurance or I do, but it's not. And it generates a lot of stress for a lot of people. And I also see people who have um, medical conditions where, as you say, they need time off work um, and that can also yield a lot of stress. And I think we need to appreciate here that stress and financial stress, it doesn't matter where the stress is coming from. Some stress is okay. It's good. It drives a good response. It motivates us. We tick off jobs. We manage our debts, whatever it is. I'm talking in finances and that's not my realm. It's the medicine. Um, but, you know, when it's uncontrolled stress, which for a lot of people, if I now reflect on it as a GP, it does come from finances that can really have strong impacts on health. You know, I've already mentioned the increased, you know, the risk factor for generalised anxiety disorder, but stress can also impact sleep, which can then impact mood, which can impact your heart disease risk, hypertension. So I have to say, you know, I see this um, in very interesting ways in my consulting room would be the short answer. Are you able to quantify in any way what the, I mean, that from the health perspective, costs are for some of these impacts of mental health and, and the, the physical physical health issues that are identified in the report? I probably can't quantify it, Elise. I don't know if that's kind of your area of expertise, but I think it really depends on, you know, what a patient's, um, what the context is, what the condition is, how much time off work they require, how much medical intervention they require, whether or not it's on Medicare and they get the rebates. So I think it's complex, but Elise, I don't know if you can add to that. Mm. I think, yeah, to your point, Priya, it depends on the, the illness, the disability, or the mental health condition, but, you know, just common depression where that person's inability to return to work on a regular basis, when you start to look at the downstream impact in someone's life um, and in, in, in that customer or client's life, um, just being able to, you know, if we look at things like just the salary coming through the door, the ability to pay someone's uh, your regular bills and mm. uh, when we look at paying a mortgage it starts to put stresses on those and all of a sudden it leads into a spiral um, of you know when you start to say well the stress is actually contributing to the financial impact of the household and then that household can't pay those bills, those basic bill, the basic utility bills, the basic mortgage repayments, we start to then see that it actually exacerbates the illness. Mm. So you've got this spiral that that someone can't start to get out of, which which is actually really quite damaging to the mm. to their household and, and to the family. And then when you start to think about this ripple effect, you know, um, it's not uncommon that if insurance is not in place, that you start to see people reaching out to family, to community, to 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 support their their household. Uh, so it it the the social impact is actually far greater than the individual. And I suppose you know when we're talking about quantifying that cost, it's very hard to do because mm. if we're if we're if we're relying on family and friends and uh, community and um, you know, organisations that that can supply uh, financial support. It's that's a hard thing to sort of add up and say, well, where is it coming from? But but it it does have an impact. And mm -hmm. mental health, it's one of these silent ones that you you really 
you know, normally what's happening is there's a steady decline into mental health. And, and so you don't see that financial stressor occur. It starts to do that gradual decline that you start to see the financial impact inside the household. Can I say, though, just to add to that point, it's very interesting because when I see a patient who is stressed or anxious about finances, as a GP, I'm managing the stress. I'm prescribing exercise, reduced caffeine, meditation, more sleep, whatever it is. Um, but I don't have the tools as a GP, and I'm reflecting as we're talking today, to help the person with their financial stressors. And for a lot of patients, I'm just thinking of two of the patients I know are coming to see me today. You know, I know that financial stressors through the pandemic with their businesses, with lack of income coming through the door, climbing debts, I know that's a big factor. But I sit there in my consulting room and I'm, I'm helping the brain and the physical health, but I don't have the tools for the financial stuff. I have no idea. And so, I mean... Elise, you were talking before about the people listening to this podcast are perfectly positioned to actually mm. help people in that space, prevent this potentially in, from, from escalating. Um, you know, I think we all have a role here, potentially. Priya, I was going to say, I mean, when you do see financial stress as being one of the causes of, of the, the stress and the health issues that you're seeing your clients, your patients have, I mean, what are you? Are you referring them to financial planners to to have a conversation, or are you you just you're just dealing with the, the symptoms? It's interesting. So I do do very holistic. So I'm dealing with the person, the patient, their family. Often, a lot of people I see the patient and also the rest of the family. But it's interesting that you say that. So I haven't ever said to my patient, you know, well, a lot of them actually already have input. By the time they're in my door, they've already got input in this space. I, I get people, I say to people, you know, you need to get experts here. We need, you know, that's clearly a big stressor. We need to, you know, address the stressors head on to try and help your brain. But, um, you know, I'm clueless in that area myself. So there is nothing I could really offer my patient in that space. But clearly, if you want to address the stressor, you need experts in that space to help you, like Elise. This, I think, Elise, one of the things that, that you know, I sort of reflected on from when I was a planner is, you know, I, you're spending two, three hours at a time with, with the client, getting to know them, mm -hmm. talking about their financial position, but talking about their lives and, and what's happening in their lives and what their hopes and their dreams are and how they are sleeping at night and, and what's work like. What, what's happening with their family. I mean, we're probably in a position to not necessarily diagnose stress, not diagnose mental health issues, not diagnose other issues, but but be in a, in a position to kind of pick up that something is going on in their lives that they probably need to think about from a health perspective. Does a report cover off what kind of conversations and what sort of support planners can provide to their clients when they do observe that this is not a, a happy, comfortable, confident person at the moment, and maybe they do need some form of health intervention. The report takes it more at a high level uh, with regards to, you know, those preventative um, measures. Uh, and I think advisors, you know, they're not, advisors are really good with reading documents. Once they look at this report and they go through the, the statistics of, of the report, their findings of the report, they're going to start to think about just clients that naturally just pop into their mind and, and what they can do um, and what things that they could be implementing inside their business, whether that's a change in a shift in the conversation, 
whether it's going back and thinking about things such as, hey, I have a cohort of clients that, you know, I could probably be thinking about, you know, doing, changing the conversation, doing more preventative, uh, more intervention programs with them. You know, when we initially sat down with this, uh, this client, they talked about the fact that they, they were a small business. You know, how is that small business going through COVID at the moment? Is there a greater risk of mental health uh, with involved in that that person's business and does that change my conversation does it change my advice does it change the way we look at risk and insurance should I be thinking about things like what programs and intervention programs and predictive programs are in my insurance policies that I can leverage and actually really highlight to my clients get them involved in that uh, to to actually try to mitigate that risk because because an advisor is trying uh, at, at, you know, when they implement insurance, they are actually trying to remove that obstacle and that risk of illness um, and disability from, from their client's life. Um, they, they can't prevent it, but what they can do is they can financially remove that risk from that client so that they ensure that they're not eroding super, that they're not drawing down from super if an illness occurs. They're not drawing on uh, assets or drawing down assets to be able to, to deliver financial outcomes around sickness and illness and disability. So I think when, when reviewing this report, what an advisor is going to be able to quickly identify is, wow, I've, I have a cohort of clients that I probably need to be talking to them a little bit differently, or, or, or the environmental risk is 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 around this this uh, you know postcode this region. Uh, so I think it's it's really just it's just like an, an individual financial plan. The report is uh, general in nature enough that that they're going to be able to identify what they want to do, what they want to highlight, and what they want to extract out of that information. I think um, reflecting back on my career as a planner, you know, you've got those clients that are easy to deal with and you can and you can have easy conversations with them and they're going well financially and, you know, it's an easy meeting. They're not the ones that you actually change their lives and, and make better. You have to be comfortable having those really difficult conversations with the clients and, and you know, planners are probably more comfortable with the conversation about you're spending too much you need to pull in your your spending or you may not be able to retire on as much as what you wanted to retire on or if you know in context of insurance if something happens to you then we need to have a backup plan in place having conversations about health issues are probably less comfortable um less out of their their comfort level and i i mean prayer have you got any tips for our members around how they might start to bring up some of those conversations to make them more comfortable saying you should maybe go talk to a, a gp you may maybe you should go talk to a, a psychologist or a, or a specialist or something to um to have a have a talk about this issue so I think for me, and I'm having these conversations all the time in the consulting room, tricky conversations, uh, rapport definitely helps. So I'm assuming much like me, financial planners are seeing their patients or clients, sorry, you know, multiple times. And I think building that rapport is really important. I often have a patient come into my consulting room and I know there's something we need to talk about in that initial consult. 
but I run it in my notes and I let it go. And I actually write, wait till rapport built. And then it hurt my feelings before when you said you have those consults with GPs. I thought, no, you need to keep hunting and find the right GP for you because it should be this beautiful long-term therapeutic relationship. But, you know, I think when you have that rapport, you know, as a GP or in, in the case of a financial planner, when the moment is right, you know, the patient is comfortable with you, they're safe, they're, they're sharing things with you. And I often start a conversation by checking the person's understanding. So, you know, you've got type 2 diabetes and high blood pressure. What do you think could, could happen here? And very often this conversation you've been building yourself up for and been stressed about, you know, saying to the patient, I think that we're at the brink of renal failure here and we might need to go down the dialysis path. They're already there. Just when you check their understanding, they get halfway there for you, which makes your part of the job a lot easier. Um, and then you kind of work together to get to the end and you're kind of delivering a blow like your spending is a bit too you know excessive at the moment in in the finance case but if you actually ask people what do you think about your spending how do you think it's going if you look at inflow and outflow often people get there on their own is what i found over time and i i always check understanding first yeah and i think i mean the reality is some people go to a financial planner because they that kind of person they just want to go and, and get the answers other times stress has built up around their financial position or uncertainty has built up around their financial position and it's gotten to the point where they are coming in and asking for help at this point but I think the other thing I mean you, you touched on retirement Elise just before I think that shift from working to not working is such a mental and emotional and relationship change for people that it is a very difficult time. And, and you probably as a planner do need to start to have a have that on your radar as something that you need to be thinking about um, to, to, to help support your support your clients. Um, you both mentioned environmental impacts. Um, you mentioned postcodes, Elise, and, and areas that environmental issues might be might be an issue. As we're as we're recording this, we've got flooding going on around the country and and bad storms and and things happening. Um, at the other end, at the other end of the spectrum, we've got droughts. And in in other years that have have health issues, what kind of things do we need to be thinking about? as from environmental um, perspectives that might impact clients' health and, and therefore their financial position in the longer term? As a doctor, I would say um, that a lot of people will say to me, Priya, why, you know, the RACGP, the college that I'm bound to, you know, why are GPs so passionate about climate change? Um, why are we now reading, you know, articles coming out about the impacts of climate change? And it's because our environment does have significant far-reaching consequences on health. And I'll keep it short, sharp and shiny, but this is a passion of mine. You know, number one, food supply. You've already mentioned storms, droughts, fires. We've just seen that iceberg lettuce cost like $10 a lettuce and cucumbers were $14.90 per kilo. And I had patients coming in going, Priya, I can't possibly eat the rainbows you're prescribing me. Um, I can't, rainbows being fruit and veggies. That's my lingo. Sorry about that. Um, but they, they can't afford it. So then we move to the canned and the frozen. So I'm actually having to talk to patients about, okay, if we want to treat your type 2 diabetes and fatty liver, reduce your risk of bowel cancer, how are we going to do that? Because now food costs too much. So that's one impact of the environment. 
The other is bushfires. You know, we've seen a lot of bushfires in Australia. So you've got air pollutants. If you've got a respiratory condition like asthma, that is a significant trigger for a lot of people. You've also got air pollutants from the roads. We've got urbanisation. So people are struggling. If you've got chronic obstructive airways disease or COAD, that can be a factor. And then with urbanisation, and this is the bit that people don't often talk about, you've got concrete jungles, you've got lots of grey, less green spaces. So it means that people are less physically active, which has mental health and physical you know, consequences. But also we know that just being outdoors in green spaces, green nature, trees, grass is good for us. It's good for the brain. It reduces the risk of depression, manages stress. So the consequences of the environment on health are huge, just you know, absolutely massive. Sorry, Elise, thank you for letting me go. No, <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, because I think that's the thing, right? It it is a foreign it is a foreign conversation to think about in financial planning, like how does the environment actually impact um, you know, my advice as a financial planner, you know. Um, and you know, I look at that and think, how are we going to be talking about God? I'm not going to be talking about global change in the middle of my fact find and my SOA presentation. Um, but what it is, is we have to take that into consideration because these, these impacts have such a significant impact on our lifestyle, uh, on, our, on our health. But we, we only look at it as an impact to our lifestyle. You know, I can't drive from point A to point B because the roads are flooded. But it, it actually is things like it attributes to things like pricing in insurance. It attributes to the increasing in claims. Uh, it contributes to a client's loadings and exclusions in their policies. Um, and, the th and, and a lot of this, a lot of this environmental piece can be, um, can be slowly modified in a client's lifestyle. We can start to get them to eat healthier to Priya's point it's got a cost of the new of, of you know for an eight dollar lettuce or a nine dollar lettuce but it's it's things like that and it's about understanding and using um you know the 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 ability to go out and and engage with the environment through uh exercise um you know eating better sleeping better and and bringing that into a conversation through preventative uh, predictive and intervention conversations versus waiting for the time where the loading's gone onto the policy, waiting for the claimable event. Um, so it's a it's it's a foreign to it feels like a foreign conversation, but in actual fact, advisors are having this conversation with their clients every day. Um, you know, just through uh, you know when they're applying for insurance, when they're trying to talk about BMIs, when they're trying to talk about you know um, uh, health loadings. You know, we we were talking about asthma just before. Um, you know, when you know filling out asthma questionnaires, filling out all of these additional questions around uh, someone's health, and and that's because the environment is is playing a contributing factor to that. Absolutely, I think that's that's all right. And 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 it, interestingly enough, I from the investment perspective as well, asking clients about their environmental preferences um, is, yeah. is probably something that needs to to work into the conversation more for planners anyway in terms of investment preferences. But but to your point, it's obviously also got a massive impact in in life insurance as well. So just to to wrap things up, probably from both of you. Um, individually but what kind of 
tools, what kind of tips, what kind of resources can planners be looking for to add into the advice that they're providing to the client, the documents they're giving to their client to think about these these health issues that we've raised in, in the report more broadly in the conversation today? Um, I think that it, we can go and uh, we can look at what uh, their what tools they're using. I think just by when we're looking at the report, it's looking at how their businesses can um, bring that conversation to life at the point of fact find. It's definitely uh, looking at um, their at product providers such as AA and looking at what intervention, what preventative tools do they have. What predictive tools do they have? And, and AA has AA Vitality, but other insurers have a lot of other resources and tools available for predictive um, and, and preventative programs in, in, their, in their insurance policies and really leveraging those. Like, you know, talk, sitting down with um, myself, with other individuals within AIA or with other insurers and saying, okay, how do I, how do I bring this this program or this feature inside your policy to life with my clients? What type of programs should I be talking to? What articles could I be writing? They can think about things like we've seen advisors use the 5590 report around putting in personal development coaches to, to help with, um, you know, building resilience within that, that individual uh, we've seen advisors use community-based initiatives within their regions. I'm going to start to have some environmental, social governance controls and strategies inside my business where I'm going to take on this community-based initiative and I'm going to create a trickle-down effect where my clients get involved with that as well. So there, it's it's enabled advisors to be able to do that. And just I, I, I look at, yes, we've got the tools, the predict, prevent and intervene tools, uh, to stop um, the claim from occurring or when the claim occurs, the client has been set up in the best way possible to live that, you know, to, to not get to that point uh, in their life where, you know, they start to lose control over their finances, control over their health, which is a very scary reality for a client when they're in that, in that, that time. But it's about what can you be doing within your business to actually start to change that conversation, start to have a really holistic client approach um, to, to getting that person from point A to point B effectively and in the best possible way that we can. I think mine are probably going to be a bit more medical, but I think things like the um, Australia Health Report could be quite helpful to people to actually show them what the national data tells us in terms of chronic disease risk, cancer risk, how important prevention is, eating your fruit and veggies, quitting smoking, all those things. It gives you really beautiful um, data on that, which might drive behaviour change. Um, the RACGP has some excellent stuff on prevention um, for consumers or for patients. So it's really simple to understand, but um, Elise, you're talking about actually, you know, stopping things before they happen and that's, that resource might be quite helpful. But I mentioned before some resources in terms of um, mental health and I think if you've got someone who is struggling in this space or with someone who's struggling in this space and you're seeing a whole family kind of, you know, weighed down by the financial impact of things and, and people's mental health is suffering, Black Dog Institute is absolutely wonderful. So is uh, things like Beyond Blue, Smiling Mind, um, but there are plenty of resources in the mental health space, including Head to Health, which is a great thing in um, places like Victoria and New South Wales, you can recommend to people as well to get some guidance, but there's a lot out there. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think financial planners are often out there selling the dream of retirement and the dream of, of financial well-being. I think this, you know, this conversation's been enlightening. And I think if planners are, are looking to more broadly help their clients, but also attract clients to their practices, thinking about the the stress everyone's under, the mental health load everybody's under, and the impact of financial well-being has on their mental health is probably something that if you're looking for an area to to broaden out your business and, and your practice and and help more Australians live live their best lives possible, thinking about mental health, thinking about physical health and how that affects their financial position as as well, I think is is critically important and, and something that can be very fruitful for your businesses as well as financial planners um thank you Priya and elise for joining us today on the fpa podcast um is there anything else you want to leave us with before we close off today i think um you know i think advisors can definitely look at um programs within insurers like we've got embrace which is this ecosystem which encompasses some of the the uh organizations that Priya spoke about but i think you know I think what we what we need to look at too is, and think about because we've we've tackled some pretty big conversations around mental health today. We've talked about the environment, but I think one thing that we do know about our industry is it is incredibly resilient, and we're we're immensely adaptable to change. And um, and with financial planners, provided there's evidence and data set out in front of them. That where they can clearly understand that they always are an they're an amazing industry where they always adapt and and modify their their businesses around uh, the what's sorting to trending in investments trending in insurance and and I, I I'm really excited and confident that advisors once they start to look at this information will start to say hey it needs a broader conversation with my customers, with my clients. And, and I think it's just gonna have positive outcomes for all of us. It's, it's that shared value philosophy, you know, what's, what will have, it'll benefit community, it'll benefit advisor practices, it'll benefit clients. And I think, I just wish everyone the best um, in, in their, their 559 journey really. Thanks, Elise. And if members are interested in the 5590 report, can you share with them where they can find that? It's actually on our website. So, um, you know, just simply Googling 5590 AIA or actually just going into the aa.com.au website and our 5590 reports available to them. Very good. And Priya, I've been uh, enjoying scrolling through the um, Wholesome Doctor blog. Is uh, Do you want to point anyone to that more than what I've just said and what might be coming no, there? That's fine. I haven't updated the blog for a while, Ben. I tend to be on the Insta these days and battling uh, my three kids. But thank you for doing a shout out. <laughs> members, thank you for joining us. I think if, uh, if well, we've talked about lots of difficult things to talk about with your clients today, if you're seeing something, and I think one of the values you provide as a financial planner is being able to have difficult conversations with your client and 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 adding that value to them. And, and there's lots of resources in this podcast for you to think about. Um, but also for yourself or for your businesses, just remember we've got FPA wellbeing there. If you need some help personally and if you need some resources personally to help you through some, some hard and difficult times. 
Um, but we're also here at the FPA to help you with anything you need. So thank you everyone for joining us today.